Amen, amen. Good morning, Compass Church. You know, it's an exciting day when you come to church and there's food on the ground. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. But glory to God. It's good to see everybody this morning. Did you notice that we're missing one person on stage this morning? Well, I just want to say that she had an unfortunate event the other night while in Mobile. She was in an automobile accident. And she's okay. She's okay. Just very sore and very startled. Uh, and just, I want you to just, just keep Joanna in mind and keep her in your prayers. Keep her lifted up. You know, that's a, that was a scary situation. And, you know, we pray over this family. This is what this is. This is our church family. We pray over it. And specifically, Wednesday night, we had our first night of prayer. And that's what we were doing. We were praying corporately over our family, over our church family. And I believe that is why she, went, she was walking today because from what I understand, the car was in pieces. This happened on the interstate at a pretty high speed, and she has a very small car. And, you know, I really believe that God's angels were there protecting her. Amen? And so that's important. So if you missed Wednesday night prayer, listen, it was awesome. It was so awesome. There was about 12, 15 of us here, and the presence of God was here. It was so, so amazing. I want to encourage you. You know, next time we do this, we're going to do this on the first Wednesday of every month. If you've got a prayer need, come. We'll pray over you. If you don't have a prayer need, come and stand in agreement with us and pray for those in your church family. Listen, we prayed for the city. We prayed for the state. I don't really know what all we prayed for. We were praying for everything. But understand this. Corporate prayer is going to be very important and vital for the expansion of this church because it's, it, it can't just be just on my prayers. It's all of us coming together in agreement. Amen? So, I always say you have a purpose. That's one of your purposes. So I encourage you to come and, and to be a part of that. And listen, you know, God's moving in our church. You know, it may, not, it may not look like you see a lot of what God's doing here, but He is. He's moving in lives. I get the testimonies. I, I get to see the people's lives. And just like, you know, it was, un, uh, uh, it was an unfortunate event of what happened to Joanna, but glory to God, he's moving. He was there. His angels were protecting her. Amen. And she's going to come out of this thing, and she's going to come out of this thing good. And we believe it, and we understand that, and we pray that in Jesus' name. But know that he's working. I mean, he's doing great things. A lot of good things happened last week. I mean, some of you may have even noticed we got us a new keyboard. I mean, this is, and this is a nice keyboard. Now, this belongs to Compass Church with the help of Spicer's Music. Tim and Lana back there helped us out. And, and we, so, so we're making steps. Most of you probably don't know. We don't own our state, most of our stage equipment and sound equipment. It's borrowed from another church. So now we're getting to a place where God's getting us grounded and we're, and we're able to, to make some steps and some purchases to get some things that we need. You know, we need, next we'll go into a drum set. And next, that's not our drum set. I know Alan doesn't mind, but... He may want his drum set back, you know. And also, <laughs> we need sound equipment. will be the next big, big uh, purchase after that. So God's moving. And if he's moving in the church, he's moving in your lives also. And I want you to be encouraged by that. So I hope you had a good Easter. Or Resurrection Day is what I like to call, call it. Because that's essentially what it is. Amen? And we had a great turnout here. We had the largest uh, group that we've ever had here since we started the church. I think we had nearly 130 people here. And man, that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome, you know. Uh, we should be excited about that, you know, because 
we, I really believe God is going to grow this church. You know, he didn't send me such very and vital people, very important and vital people, such gifted people for it all to just stay right here. You know, and, and it's going to take all of us to do this. And you're all a vital part, an important part. Get a revelation of that. See how important you are. Amen. But Easter was good. It really was good. And we got ready for Easter. So we did, in order to do that, we did a lot of preparation. All right, so there was a lot of behind the scenes that went on. We were preparing the children's area. We were preparing the music, preparing the building, just everything. And you say, why do you do that? Well, from a natural side of church as a pastor, I talk to other pastors, and it's just known that the number one day that you want to capitalize on is Easter because that's when non-believers tend to go to church. I guess they feel like they can get one day of Jesus for the year and they're okay. But that's okay. If we can get them here, you want to capitalize on them. And so you want to you want to give them all you can give them and hope to keep them. Amen. So that's what we did. We put a lot of effort in it. And, you know, we went home after church on Sunday and we just sat on the couch and we were just like, because we were focused, 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 push, push, push. We're getting, getting, getting to this point and we got there and it was done and it was a great success. Hats off to everybody. It was fabulous. And we just sat there and we were just like, whoa, you know, and then we said, what's next? You know, what's next, God? You know, I think that's where we get sometimes in our, in our life, our personal life, you know. And you've got to remember, God uses all of us for seasons, all right. It can be a short season. It can be a long season, you know, just like he used us when we came to Auburn to work at Auburn Fellowship and help plant that church and help start it. We had no idea how long it was going to be there. We knew that in the future God had us on our heart to pastor a church, but we were going to be there working and learning and doing all we could behind the scenes to understand how to do it and how to not do it. And then he, which led us, we had no idea it was going to be here. We really thought it was going to be somewhere else, but praise God, it was. So a lot of preparation went into that so we could capitalize on that. And what's next in your life? Amen. And think about it kind of like Christmas. And this is what I like. A lot of preparation goes into Christmas. You know what I mean? Come on, I know there are people that literally start preparing for Christmas the year in advance. There are people that buy gifts. They're already thinking about the loved ones, all right? And just think about what all happens here. They, they think about their loved ones, and they think about that special gift. Now, and they want to see the, the joy on their face when they open that special gift. So they're, they're really, they're preparing, they're planning, you know, and, the, and then it gets a little closer, and it's time for them to go shopping. They go shopping, and then they buy the gift. Well, maybe not that gift. They go and then they see a bigger gift that maybe their loved one will like even more. So they stretch a little bit and they get that one. So they get the gift. They go home. They hide it. They wrap it. They hide it. So now a few months out, they're starting to prepare. They're thinking about planning. They're thinking about decorating. They're thinking about getting a tree. Come on. This is all in the natural. They're thinking about all these things. They're thinking about meals. All right, and then you get a little closer to Christmas, Christmas Eve, maybe you start thinking about, well, on this day we're going to go to Grandma here. Next day we're going to Grandma here. Exchanging gifts there, there. And all this is unfolding, a lot of preparation. And then Christmas Eve gets there. You finally get the kids in the bed because, you know, Santa's got to do what he does at night. So the kids finally get to sleep. All right, and then Santa does his deal. All the presents magically appear under the tree. <laughs> And so you get up the next morning, generally early, and mom and dad are generally tired for some unknown reason, I don't know. Maybe they were up all night, I don't have any idea, but you get up and there's this excitement. You know, the kids are running down the hallway, they're tearing into presents, you know. It's exciting. 
And a lot of preparation went into getting there. And then about midday, you sit on the couch. And you've done seen the smiles on the faces. Everybody's starting to play with their new toys or their new gifts, gifts or gadgets. And then you sit down and you're just like, wow, it's over. My focus was so intense, so intense for months. Getting here, getting here, getting here, getting here. And bam, it's done. And then you just sit there and you're like, what's next? What's next? And you know, sometimes when we look at that in our lives, people get frustrated. God uses us for seasons, all right? And if he only uses you for a short season, sometimes you go into a season of waiting. Amen? And understand, he, God always, he guides us in many ways. We know that in many ways. But understand this. Sometimes he makes that next step for us clear. Sometimes it's crystal clear. Sometimes it's painted on the wall. All right? But sometimes it's not. Most of the time it's not. All right? He wants us to do a little bit in this. And, you know, and I think about Peter. When you think about John 21. All right, here's Peter. And, you know, Jesus just went through the death, burial, the resurrection. Pretty intense time in his life. You know, he's, he's a disciple. All right, so he's there. He's been with He's been with Jesus. Every step was directed by Jesus. My next step, where do I go? What am I going to do? All right? And so he's just focused on following Jesus, doing what he says do. He's right there with him, hanging in there, and bam, all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested, Jesus is tried, Jesus is beaten, he's crucified, and then he's risen from the dead. Pretty intense time. Amen? And, uh, and what did Peter do? All this happened so fast, and he didn't know what to do. He had no... He, he, he had no, no idea what to do. So what did he do? Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's exactly what he said. He said, I'm going fishing. He was a fisherman. He, did not know, he didn't know what else to do. He didn't know what step to take, but he took the step that was comfortable to him. It's interesting to see that he did something. Right? He didn't just sit there and wait on God to meet you and take care of me. He took a step of faith. He took some action. Sometimes we need to do that in our lives. Amen? Don't just sit back always and wait on God. Do something. So he did. He did what was comfortable. He was a fisherman. So he goes in, and he, he, he's preparing the nets, preparing the boat. Uh, he's preparing to catch and sell the fish afterwards. You know, he's a fisherman. That's what he does. It's hard work. He knows that, but it's comfortable to him. And that's what he's doing. So he's doing. So I guess he figured, you know, if I, I don't know what to do, I'm going to do what's something productive. Amen. Sometimes we need to do that in our lives. Amen. But remember, and I think it's interesting to note that the other disciples he was with agreed with him. So Peter wasn't the only one restless here. They all were. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know their next step. Amen. So they go fishing. They fish all night. They're fishing. Left, they're throwing the nets. Right, they're throwing the nets, pulling nothing. Deeper water, they're throwing the nets, nothing. Shallow water, they're pulling the nets, nothing. So what happens next? They're getting frustrated. I mean, think about it. They're human, all right? They're just like us. We get frustrated sometimes, all right? And they're probably, they're probably getting a little ill with one another. you got James, Thomas, and all of them out there. And there's probably a few choice words exchanged. Come on, they're human, and they are men. I'll just say that. <laughs> but you know, they're probably thinking, whose idea was this? God, gracious, we've been out here all night, enough fish, nothing, glory to God. What in the world? And then right then, at the break of dawn, they heard a voice from the shore. They heard a voice. And the voice says, children, do you have any fish? And James is like, no, we don't have any fish. We've been out here all night. There's no fish in this water. No. And the voice tells them, 
Cast your net on the right and you'll find some. All right? Now, any other time you think about it, you're a professional fisherman, which they were, and you're in the boat and you're doing your all you can to catch fish and somebody's yelling from the bank trying to tell you what to do, you're like, nah, nah, Jack, don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I know how to do it. It'd be irritating. It'd be aggravating. But listen, they recognized these instructions. But why did they recognize it? Because it happened before. They recognized it and Peter and John got excited. They look at each other. They look at each other and they cast the net to the right in one pool, and the weight just overwhelms them. It almost pulls them overboard. They can't get the net in the boat. Amen. They can't do it. And John says, it's the Lord. And Peter, he jumps. He grabs his cloak, throws it on, and he don't paddle the boat in. He jumps in the water. He's excited. He's going to see Jesus. You know, he doesn't wait. He jumps in, and he goes. Follow the story out. They all come in on the boat. They get there. Jesus has prepared them breakfast by the sea. Glory to God. How great would that be? Amen? But he prepares for them, takes care of them, and then he gives them their next instructions. So Peter didn't know what to do. He did what was comfortable for him to do. And understand this, God met him right there. He didn't sit back and do nothing. He stepped out and he took a step of action. And God met him right there. Amen? And there's going to be times like that in our life where it's not clear what to do. It's not clear. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What's next? All right, so we're going to look at 2 Kings 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 for you. 2 Kings, verse 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. That's interesting, a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. He wanted her to get a lot, okay? Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour the oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left, and the oil stopped flowing. She went and told Elijah, go, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left. Amen. What do you do when you don't know what to do? All right? And I think this story is interesting here. This story applies. She's in a bad place. She is in a horrible place, in my opinion, because I've been there. In financial crisis, she lost her husband. Oh, I'm not that part, but the financial crisis part, I've been there. <laughs> but she's lost her husband. She's lost her money. And now there's a, she's in fear of losing her children. Come on, as a parent, that would be devastating. All right? And as a matter of fact, I, think the wor- I don't think there's a worse feeling that I've ever had and experienced in my life than when creditors were hounding me for something and I had nothing to give them. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. I don't think there's anything worse than when I've lost, uh, uh, maybe losing somebody that was close to me to death. That's how horrible it was. Some of you may be able to relate. I hope not. If you don't, praise God, keep budgeting how you're budgeting and don't fall into that. Amen? It was a horrible feeling. It really was. So she was in a dire situation. It was horrible for her. And I think it's interesting what she did. So I'm going to talk with you today about three things that you do when you don't know what to do and you're trying to figure out what's next. 
three things, and I think it's interesting to look at what she did here. So number one, the first thing you do is you ask. All right, you humble yourself and you ask. All right, what did she do? She came to the man of God. She came to Elijah for help. Amen? And I think it's interesting to point out, in verse 1, cried out. said she cried out. All right, now if you look at that, that appeared eight times in the whole chapter of 2 Kings. Eight times. All right, why is that important? Because this is a chapter about miracles that God performed. All right? So they were crying out. And almost every time that it appears, it literally means a, a, a seeking help. All right? Appeal for help. So she cried out. To cry out to God is simply what? Help me. I'm drowning. I'm going under. I need your help. I need you to pull me out. So understand this. By coming to Elijah, she's essentially seeking God through the man of God. Elijah was the prophet. All right? And that's what she did. She went to him. She was seeking God through Elijah. And was she the first person to cry out? No. Was she the last? Of course not. I think we all do, probably weekly now. Amen? In the day that we live in. But if you look in the scriptures, I think about Isaiah. In Isaiah 64, I mean, here he was. I mean, he's in a divided kingdom, and he's crying out. I mean, he is desperate for God to intervene. Amen? And so you continue to look through. I mean, you think about in the New, in the New Testament, you have the, the blind man in Mark, where he cries out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. He's crying out for help. Cried out for help. Glory to God. Very, very important to humble ourselves sometimes and cry out for help. Amen? I think in America especially because I've been in a lot of countries. And I'm definitely not putting my country down. America is, in my opinion, the greatest country. But there are some, there's some aspects of America that I don't like that I see when I go to other countries. And one of those is the simple fact that our attitude to always having to be right, always having to be in control, all right, not humbling ourselves and willing to admit when we make a mistake or willing to admit, I don't know. All right, I need help. You know, that, and that's very important to get a hold of that. And it's hard to do. It really is hard to do. You know, quick story. I, I do construction. All right, sometimes big jobs, sometimes small jobs. And I know how to do it. I can build you just about anything. And I can tell you exactly how it should do. I can tell you the codes and everything. But I learned a long time ago that I use a lot of subcontractors to come in. I don't need to hire a subcontractor and bring everyone in and then try to tell them exactly how to do it. So what do I do? I do that. I ask them when they get there, how are you going to accomplish where I need you to get me to? Simply, I ask them. I even had them come to me and say, why do you always ask that? You ought to know this. You've done this long enough. I do. That's not the point. The point is asking. I'm humbling myself, asking them, what does that do? That relieves all the stress and the pressure off of me. Amen. It makes it a lot easier for me. So sometimes humbling yourself and being willing to admit you need help is very important. And it's especially, especially hard for men. Amen. Because we're supposed to be the providers and the ones with all the answers. Amen. So anyway, so sometimes you've got to ask yourselves, what would stop you from asking? Now, does anybody in here know the number one, now I'm talking naturally speaking, the number one psychological reason that will stop anybody from asking for help? It's one word. Anybody know? Pride. That is exactly right. Exactly right. Come on. Are you too proud to ask God? That's a good question. 
Sometimes you got to ask yourself that. Listen, don't you let pride come in. Pride is simply a tool that the devil will use. If you give him a crack, he'll start driving that wedge in there, and he's separating you from your heavenly Father. Glory to God. Don't let pride come in there. Don't do it. And know this. Always, 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 pride cuts us off from God. Amen? It cuts you off from God. Just remember it. Don't be too prideful. Don't be too prideful. Humble yourself. And, and listen, ask yourself, where do you go when the, world, when the circumstances and the troubles around the world are crushing in on you? I mean, where do you go? And this is interesting. And because most people, the first thing they do is they go to Google. Just saying, it's serious. <laughs> there are people now that literally Google answers for personal situations in their life. Come on, that's not, that's not where we should go first. You know, are you asking your neighbors? Are you asking your buddies at work? And listen, all those may be good things if one, you do one thing first. You see, too often we go to God as a last resort instead of going to God as a first resort and allowing Him to speak in your life, allowing Him to lead you to the right person to seek and get answers from. Amen. Don't be so quick to just seek out all the answers in the world. You pray, understand his voice. This goes back to the beginning when we started this church. I I talk about this all the time. You have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to be able to hear him. You've got to know when he's talking to you. Listen, if you don't understand when he's speaking to you or when he's telling you to move or telling you to do this or answering a prayer, you'll never know whether your prayers are being answered at all. So it's very important to keep that relationship active and understand the ways that he speaks. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And go to him first. Glory to God. Humble yourself and go to him first. And then follow his leading to the people around you for the right answers. Because you may be going to the wrong person, folks. You may be going to the wrong person for your answers. Amen. Amen. So number one, the first thing you do when you don't know what to do is you humble yourself and you simply ask. Now, number two, this is one I have to work on. Listen, I'm human too. Number two is listen. And we had a point group meeting the other night, and Kevin Beasley was leading that, and I'm going to tell you, guys, he's doing an amazing job. My hat's off to him. I've been around a lot of churches, saw a lot of small group material, but what he's doing and what he's putting together is amazing. And I thank God that you're here in this part to do it here, Kevin. I really do. And I'm not just trying to, I don't play games in brown nose. I'm just being real. Uh, it, it's awesome. So, But he made a point that ministered to me. And he said, look, the last thing before we left, he said, sometimes, guys, when you're leading your group, he said, don't be so quick to speak. And I'm not saying, I won't say it as eloquent as he. He said it was awesome, you know. So. <laughs> he said, don't be so quick to speak. Sometimes be quiet and let God minister. Sometimes the best work that he does is when it's quiet. And you know, I'm a go-getter. You give me a task, buddy, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done fast, and we're going to get on to the next one. And sometimes I have to pull back from that and listen to God. Amen? So I encourage you, when you're in your prayer time, sometimes shut down. Don't do all the talking. Sometimes when you're in your prayer room, be quiet and listen to God speak to you. Amen? You've got to learn to listen. So let's look right here what's happened here. Elisha asked her, he says, what do you have? And she says, nothing but a jar of olive oil. I'm paraphrasing. He then asked her to go around, get jars from the neighbors, bring them home, pour the oil out 
and she has into the new jars. So essentially he's doing what? He's asking her to take the last thing that she has. Everything, all that she can see is that little jar. All right? That's all she can see. He's asking her to take that and give it back to God. Amen. Sometimes we ha- we're holding on to that one little last thing, that last little $50 in our pocket that we've got stashed behind our driver's license in our wallet that we're holding on for just an emergency, and we're holding on to it. And God's telling you to give that over here. Go buy them lunch with that. Don't, hold, don't put your faith in that $50. Keep your faith in me, in your heavenly Father. Glory to God. So she had a choice. Was she going to listen to the circumstances that were before? Listen to the circumstances that were around her? Or was she going to listen to the voice of God? You know, I asked you, what do you do in your situations, in your circumstances? Do you listen to the voices of the world? Or do you listen to the voice of God? Amen. It's interesting. And listen, I hear this all the time. Well, God's just not speaking. No, 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 no. God's still speaking, okay? There's so many ways that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word, all right? He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through us. Oh, glory to God. He speaks through us men and women that He puts in your life, come on, to minister and to help you and guide you. He's speaking. He's speaking. He speaks to you through your church, your church elders, your church pastor, your church members. All right, this, is, this shows the very, very gracious and important fact of your church family. And listen, we've got a great church family here, a fabulous church family. I brag on this church all the time. You, you got, I don't think you guys really realize how much community we have here. But let me tell you, the other night we had, uh, we had Bogani at our uh, point group meeting, and he said something that just, it really ministered to me. It was so fabulous. And so those of you that don't know Bogani, he was, uh, he's Morgan's husband. He's a Swazi native from Swaziland. Morgan's a missionary in Swaziland, and they've been here a couple of times, and they'll be back and actually speak here. But uh, Bogani... This is first time in America they came here to itinerate, to fundraise. As a missionary, you stay on the field for a year, no more than two, then you come home and you fundraise for three to four months. You go to different churches trying to get more support, and that dictates how long you stay on the mission field before you come back home. All right? So point is, is he's here, but he's going to different churches. They're going sometimes two or three churches a week. And he said the sweetest thing. He said, you know, the thing I love about Compass Church he said, I've been to a lot of them. And now, understand, he comes from a country that's probably the size of, I don't know, Texas. Now, maybe Texas. I don't even think it's that big. So there's not a lot of church. I, yeah, I think five hours you can drive across it, so there's not a lot of churches. But he said, the thing I love about Compass Church is from the time I walked in that door, the time I walked in that door, I felt like I was at home. He did. He said, and he said out of his mouth, and has never heard it, he said the community there, was unbelievable. And he's been to a lot of churches for his first time, his first experience there. So, man, you need to give yourselves a pat on the back. You know, that's, that truly is awesome. Truly, truly is awesome. You guys are awesome. Amen. And know this, God's still speaking. <laughs> Didn't mean to get on that rabbit trail. but And listen, there is a difference between listening and hearing. All right, I'm going to give you a hypothetical example because this would never happen in my family, in my household. If I'm sitting there watching TV, this would never happen. If I'm sitting there watching TV, and then Muffin's over here, she's talking about something that needs to be done, something we need to do. You know, she's over here, wah, 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 wah. But I'm right here. I'm looking at the TV. Yeah, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Wah, 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 wah. You know, that would never happen. That's just an example. No. 
Never happened. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference in listen. I'm hearing her. I'm hearing her. I promise you I'm hearing her. And I'm just like, would you please be quiet? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just adding a little, adding a little icing on that there. But, but listen, when you're listening, you're fully engaging the one that's speaking to you. You're fully engaging and you're understanding. You're taking it to heart. Okay, come on. So, and that which is what I do every time she speaks. You know, just saying. <laughs> but anyway, remember that. Seriously, I, I, I say that funny, but there's a difference, all right? And ask yourself, are you listening to the voice of God? Really listening, not hearing. Are you really listening to his voice? You know, and I can't say enough about understanding how God's voice, how he speaks to you, amen? And, and I'll keep harping on that probably from the now to the God moves us to do something else because it's such a vital part of your relationship with Jesus. It's such a vital part with your, about your Christian walk. You can't have that success without that relationship. Amen. And knowing when he's talking to you, knowing when he's moving you for your next step, when he's bringing you from something one season to the next. Amen. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number one, you humble yourself and you ask your Heavenly Father. You ask God. And you know, sometimes that's the hardest thing, especially for men. It's like trying to get us to ask for directions. I got this. Of course, now you got it on your phone. It doesn't matter. But you ask. All right? Humble yourself and you ask. And number two, you listen. You listen. Spend time listening. Don't always be talking. Listen, God knows what's going on in your life. Sometimes you need to put it out there. That's okay, but you don't need to talk 30 minutes about your situation or your problem. Amen? Sometimes you just need to listen. And as I'm talking to myself too, all right, that's why I'm continuing to harp on this, all right? Because sometimes I'm just an action guy. I want to get it done. I want to get it done. I want to get it done. But number three, the third thing that you do when you don't know what to do is you trust. Have faith. You trust your Heavenly Father, okay? Look at verse three. Elijah gives her instructions, paraphrase, she listens to him, she leaves him, and does exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. All right? Can you imagine how crazy it must have sounded to her, what he was telling her to do? She's like, what? He's a nut. Are you kidding? I've got this much. He's wanting me to get all these jars. It's interesting. He told her to get a lot of jars. And if you look at the number of jars she got, it doesn't specifically say, but the number of jars kind of shows her faith. So she had a lot, a lot, a lot of faith. Her faith was really strong. She would have got a really lot of jars. Anyway, side note, another sermon for that. But, so what did she do? She listened to him, all right? And she trusted that no matter how crazy this story he was telling her, she trusted the man of God. She trusted God so much. Her faith was so strong in God that, he, that no matter how crazy what he was telling her to do, that it was going to come out for the best. It was going to be the best thing for her family and herself. Amen? Her faith was so strong and she so trusted her heavenly father. So she gives the jars. And Elijah tells her to do what? Pour out all that she has. In other words, all of the oil, pour it all out. All right? Essentially, he says what? Pour out everything that you have into these jars and see what's going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. God had already made it clear to him. He knew what was going to happen. He was just testing her. And he said, and let me tell you, that takes faith. It takes faith. Glory to God, it takes faith. She didn't know what was going to happen. All right? She didn't. 
And she needed to decide that she would trust God regardless of the outcome. And that's sometimes that's what we got to do in our lives. We got to trust him. Trust him. Amen. Trust him. And when I was putting this together, it made me think about Jill Briscoe. She's an author. Some of you may know her. And she wrote a fabulous book. It's called A Little Pot of Oil. And she writes this in there. It says, she says, sometimes it takes a crisis in our lives to test our faith, to show us the limits of our own strength and the sufficiency of God's provision. But we don't learn that if we just sit around waiting on God to take care of us. We got to step out and pour out. All right, what do you need to pour out? When you got to, what step you need? What step of action do you need to take? Trusting that God will give us what we need to continue. Trust. Faith in your heavenly Father. Glory to God. Trust. Listen, her decision, this widow's decision, it's all, we all have the same decision to make. And what is that? We've got to decide that God is enough. And listen, what makes it hard for us is we've got to decide that God's enough. And we live in a world where enough is never enough. It's never enough. It's funny to see that, but it's not. I mean, you see this just in the people that, that, that camp out at Best Buy for five days to get a new phone. I'm sorry if that's you. Okay, that's probably not the best use of your time. Sorry, Jasper. I'm just <laughs> But listen, we do live in a world where enough is never enough. Listen, I got a customer, a very wealthy man. He makes excess of probably, he's probably in the neighborhood of 24, 25 million a year. Uh, multiple houses, multiple cars, multiple toys. I mean, and he loves tools and tractors and he just spends money all the time. I mean, you go in his shop and it's just garage and it's just full of boxes of brand new tools never opened, you know. And, and he told me one day, he said, I just can't ever get enough. I can't, I, I can't get enough. I don't have a lot of friends, so I use my money and buy myself stuff. How many of you know it's never going to be enough? If you're not living your life and you're not seeking to fully follow Jesus Christ, if you're living to buy stuff to get your happiness, it ain't going to happen. Oh, I wasn't correct. Language there. I should have said that. It's not going to happen. It's not. Listen, it's not. And so he just didn't have it. I don't know if he'll ever get it. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit. He was only willing to listen to some of it. So you have to let him go. Let him make his own decisions. Amen. But don't do that. Settle and know and trust that God's enough. It's time to start trusting. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. Listen, when you don't know what to do, number one, humble yourself and ask. And number two, please, learn to listen. Don't just hear. You know, a lot of times, you know, really, truth is, Muffin never listens to me. But that's a whole other story. But now that I'm being true and she can't hit me in church, but... But listen, and then you got to trust. You got to learn. Just kidding. <laughs> you got to learn to trust your heavenly Father. Okay, and listen. Sometimes the next step is going to be clear. Sometimes it's not going to be clear. Amen. Sometimes you're going to be in a season of waiting, waiting on God. That's okay. It's okay. Don't panic. Don't panic. Sometimes you're going to be there. All right. And sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just simply do the next thing. Do what's comfortable to you. Do what you know to do. And let God meet you right there. You know, too many times we get hung up on waiting on God to come to us. All right? And that's okay. We want to see Him, but we wait to move. 
In other words, we're waiting on God to come to us before we do anything. No, just go on and do. You do what you do, all right? And hopefully you do what you do for the benefit of the glory of the kingdom, all right? And let God meet you just like he met Peter. Amen, he'll do it. He'll do it in your life. Just like he did Peter, he'll do it. And understand this, as we follow Jesus, I mean, there's going to be crazy seasons in your life. You're going to have some seasons come up. God's going to put you in a season. I don't know how long it may be. And you're going to be, he, the focus is going to be so clear. What you got to do, what you got to accomplish, you know, so clear. And that's it's so cool when that happens. And you're like, yes. And so then you get on it. You're focused. You're intent. I'm getting, you're working towards this goal. You're working, 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 working to make this happen. You're going to put all you got in it. All you got. You're going to, you're staying at it. Working late. Work, and, and, and guess what? Eventually you're going to get there. You're going to accomplish it. And it's going to be done. And you're going to sit back on the couch and you're like, wow, what's next? You don't know what to do. What's next? And then you're going to, then you're going to step over into a season of waiting where you're just waiting on God. That's okay. Know that he's in control of both situations. Amen? Both situations. Understand that's how your life works. Now listen, he may call you into a season that lasts 15 years. I don't know. That's between you and God and whatever the will of God is for your life. Amen? But understand he's in control of both. And when you don't understand his ways, because listen, sometimes some of the ways God has answered our prayers, it's just, I can't explain it. I quit trying to explain it. Just simply trust his word. Trust his word and trust his promises in his word. Amen? And do the next thing. And listen, I threw this in here because I hear this a lot. And y'all are probably going to be like, man, you're going to harp on that again. Yeah, I'm going to harp on it again. I hear all the time, I'm just not qualified for what's next. If you don't feel qualified, listen, every single person, I say this almost every week, has a purpose. God created you with that purpose in mind. Amen. He did. You don't have to sit here and wonder, do I have what it takes to accomplish it? Absolutely you got it. He created you with that in mind. Amen. Look, he's not sitting up there and saying, hey, Tucker, here, stand up. He's not standing up there going, oh, look at this young guy. That's a good young boy right there, good young man. Oh, man, wonder what I can do with him today. No, when he created Tucker, when he created Tucker, he had a purpose in his mind, in mind for him. And he equipped Tucker to be able to do that. All right? He equipped him to do it. Now listen, Tucker may not step into it till who knows? It took Jesus, what, 30 years before he stepped into it. His time came. Amen? But Tucker just continues to do, learn about Jesus, walk in and, and do, and come into church and doing everything he can for the kingdom of God. And when that time comes, he steps into that season and that perfect will for your life and he'll do the same for each and every one of you. Amen? Psalms 139 says you're wonderfully made. His works are great. That's you. That's you. Listen, you're made with a purpose. I mean, think, I mean, think about it. They didn't build the car and then go, wow. Look, that'll be good to put people in. Absolutely not. No. They built it with the intention there was a purpose in mind for it. Amen. Every detail of your design, every detail, is suited to your purpose. Amen. Glory to God. So, I hope you got something out of that. I know we, we are all thinking, shut up, I'm ready to get to the food. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. I will shut up now. <laughs>
it's okay. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, of course, for everything. Lord, I want to just say a specific prayer, and I want to lift up Joanna. I want everybody here just to simply agree with me on this. And, and you know, we thank you for her, your, your protection. We thank you that your angels went and, and just took care of her and held her close, Lord. And we, we look forward to having her back here with us, Lord. And, and, Lord, we just lift her up and encourage her. And, Lord, we pray for healing in her body. Anything that may be out of whack, Lord, we just pray that you straighten that up. You straighten that up, healing from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Glory to God. We just pray that over her. And, Lord, we pray that no pain. No pain on her. And not only that, Lord, we pray for favor in this entire situation, however it unfolds. So she gets a new car. Lord, she gets everything, all the right people. You open the right doors. You close the bad doors so that every situation that she has to deal with because of this situation, nothing but the best. Nothing but your best. And we pray for favor over her, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray for every person here. And Lord, I just want to say a quick prayer with all eyes closed. If there's anybody in here that doesn't, that, that, that needs to know Jesus and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you know Jesus and you just backslid and you need to get back to him, you know, I'm going to make it simple. If there's anybody in here, if that's you, I want you to just simply raise your hand. And if you do, I want to talk with you. I'm not going to call you down front, but I want to see you after service. If there's anybody in here, just simply raise your hand. If you're not, okay, well, it looks like we're all family. Good deal, good deal. I don't want to lose an opportunity. I don't want anybody coming in here feeling like they need prayer. If you do, you come to me. Glory to God. And Father, we just thank you for this day. And thank We pray for warm weather outside as we go forth and get ready to partake of your food. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And ask that you bless this food to our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.